This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly Mad Splainers feature. I'm podcast producer Natalie Yar, and each week I sit down with the reporter behind our latest cover story to find out why it matters. Today, Mad Splainers co-host Abby Becker is joining me to interview our guest. She's here with me because we've got an announcement to make. We learned last week that the Mad Splainers is going to be off the air, or the podcast air, going dark, at least for now. We love making this podcast, and we hope you love listening to it. But the Cap Times wants to focus all of my time and Abby's time on reporting for now. Abby's got a lot to cover in the city and county government, and I'll be shifting my focus a bit to look at how our local economy is working and how it could be working better. But keep sending us your questions. We would love to continue answering them in our own reporting. Definitely. But for now, back to the podcast. We thought it was only fitting that Scott Gerard, who has almost certainly been the most frequent Madsplainers guest this year, would be our last guest, at least for the time being. Scott's cover story this week explores how the new funding provided by the school's referendum that Madison residents approved in November will enable the school district to transform its approach to teaching reading and perhaps finally correct major racial disparities in literacy rates. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. Thank you so much to you both for having me. We are always glad to have you, Scott. So Madison's public schools are poised to fundamentally change the way they teach reading. And you explained in your story that there's been sort of a reading war, a big debate about what's the most effective way to teach kids to read. What are the sides in this war and which side is Madison taking now? Yeah, so the debate goes back uh, quite a few decades, actually, and and there's been two major schools of thought, uh, and both have certainly, you know, changed and adjusted over the years a bit themselves. But uh, one is known today as the science of reading, um, and it, it really places a heavy emphasis, especially early on, on phonics and phonemic awareness, so sort of the sounds that letters make and how those form words. Uh, Once you get to older grades, there's other uh, sort of strategies related to the science of reading, you know, focuses on sentence structure, things like that. Uh, the, The other side of the debate is whole language and balanced literacy, which, uh, you know, uses uh, various reading groups, uh, reading styles uh, to teach students how to read early on. And so really the, the difference between the two is just what sort of the focus is of how kids can learn to read, whether they uh, need that phonics awareness explicitly or whether the phonics can come along by just reading engaging materials that are at their reading level. So uh, historically, the district has been on the balanced literacy side of this uh, for, for quite a while now. And uh, recently, there's been a change in rhetoric and you're starting to see some action toward uh, a move to the science of reading. Uh, and that phonics, explicit instruction, and phonemic awareness. And so sort of to give an example of the difference between these two, because I think phonics and phonemic awareness are pretty uh, jargony words, but I was lucky enough to talk to a couple teachers uh, who have experience in both of these. And uh, one of them who's in my story, she actually leads it off, Lisa Hepburn, uh, was explaining to me that 
you sort of chunk out a word um, how to say, you know, how vowel sounds might change and how, depending on the context of the word, a, a letter can make a different sound. And so when you focus on those things, it can help a student understand how words form. The example she gave me was if she had shown uh, this one student she was working with the word pandemic, uh, he might have tried Pandora, pandemonium, or as she said, just kind of guess whatever. Uh, and so the balanced literacy side of things sometimes involved guessing for students. Uh, you know, if you didn't know the word, use the context of the sentence, use a photo uh, that might be on a page of the book you're reading to figure out what the word is. The concern with that is whether it forms bad habits long term uh, when you start to guess words because it means if you get to more complicated texts, you may not know how to pronounce those words or read those words. So that, that's sort of a great example, I thought, of, of the difference. And uh, Melissa Hernandez, who is an elementary school teacher at LVM Elementary School, uh, who has also uh, really gotten into the science of reading recently, said that under the newer approach, there's no guessing. Um, and so they really break down words and sound them out. So has the district tried this science of reading approach yet? Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, uh, Lisa Hepburn, uh, Melissa Hernandez are two uh, teachers who have. Uh, it's it's sort of uh, littered in throughout the district, but not necessarily systematically in place. There's some trainings that have been offered uh, called letters trainings that some teachers have taken, but it's not a, a required training for all staff. Uh, and Historically, the district has been more focused on balanced literacy. So this year, a couple elementary schools, Elvium, where Hernandez teaches, and then Gompers Elementary, are doing a pilot program with some new materials that are sort of uh, hopefully helping complement a, a more science of reading focused curriculum. So uh, right now, it's just sort of in place at those two schools systematically. And then uh, you have teachers here and there who have uh, done their own training or done their own research into it and, and sort of embraced it and put it into place in their own teaching approaches. And what kind of evidence do we have that this balanced reading strategy that's currently in use at most Madison public schools isn't really working? Uh, the the biggest evidence is probably test scores, and, and certainly there's a debate over how much stock to put in test scores and standardized testing in general. But I think when you look at the numbers, uh, so in the 2018-19 State of Wisconsin Forward exam, which was the most recent year it was given because of the pandemic last year, 34.9% uh, of students in grades 3 through 8, and that's overall, uh, scored either proficient or advanced on the statewide forward exam. So uh, that those are the two sort of you're meeting uh, the base level. The other two categories are basic and below basic. So that means a vast majority of students uh, overall scored basic or below basic on reading scores uh, in the 2018-19 school year. So and, and then when you dig a little deeper into the numbers, uh, there's also some pretty significant racial disparities in those numbers. And so 10.1% uh, of black students taking that exam in that same year scored above basic. 58.9% uh, scored the below basic level, which is the lowest possible. Uh, for Hispanic students, 16% scored proficient or advanced, with 46.9% scoring below basic. Uh, and so you sort of have this overall problem. Uh, uh, Superintendent Carlton Jenkins has spoken that this strategy can hopefully raise 
all students' scores, but then within that problem, you also have racial disparities. So you explain in your story that Madison has been struggling to help kids learn to read for decades. What have you found about why this problem has gone unsolved for so long? Yeah, in, I really learned the most on this from talking to Dr. Gloria Ladson-Billings, uh, a UW professor emeritus, education scholar, and consultant. She'll be consulting with the district on some of this work as they make sure the new materials and curriculum they adopt are culturally relevant and anti-racist. But she talked to me about a, a study she and another researcher did in the late 1990s at a Madison Elementary School uh, where they sort of figured out how to get the teachers to focus on the students who were struggling. And one thing she noted was that the teachers didn't immediately always notice the students who were struggling unless they were making a fuss about it. Uh, Enough students were sort of making it through that it wasn't, you know, you know, this, this balanced literacy strategy works for some. Uh, It's, it's certainly not a, an all-out negative or anything like that. Many students, myself included, uh, graduated from uh, Madison schools and you know know how to read. But what the problem is is that it clearly doesn't work for everyone. Um, and this didn't make it into the story, but uh, Lisa Hepburn talked to me about how if we have a strategy that's not working for everyone, why don't we find one that does? Uh, and so Dr. Ladson Billings uh, said that you know they they found some success when they got teachers in that study to focus on the students who were struggling. The challenge was expanding it beyond the classrooms that they were working directly with. And with Madison, uh, a lot of things are important, but Dr. Ladson Billings said, we're not always good here at deciding what needs to be a priority. And so that means we focus on too many things at once and can't focus in on the things that uh, could really make a big difference as she sees it. And so uh, she felt like it was pretty frustrating that nothing has much changed since that late 90s work, but that uh, superintendents have gotten just sort of bogged down with different issues, whether that be the school resource officers debate, uh, fights at a middle school, as, as she put it, and I'll quote here, whatever's made the newspaper has been where all the energy has gone. Uh, and so people sort of just left the teachers to what they were doing and didn't worry about that. And so uh, that sort of uh, all of these different things to work on sort of distracted from this issue. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. And you mentioned District Superintendent Carlton Jenkins, who just started on the job this year. Uh, And he talks about literacy as being a fundamental right. What does he mean when he says that? So he believes that every student should have the right to read and know how to read and that it should be school's responsibility to teach them. Uh, The the language of it is actually... uh, sort of related to a recent court case uh, that was brought by some students who argued that legally literacy is a fundamental right. And so it sort of follows along with that language. And and really the reason that that language is used, and I think that Dr. Jenkins speaks so strongly about it, is because being behind in reading can really have a lot of problems that 
fall out of it later on in your academic career. So if you're behind in reading, uh, let's say you're in a seventh grade social studies class and you can't read the text that you're being given, well, it's harder to then engage in that class. And so then that can breed disengagement, which can breed uh, misbehavior or other problems uh, from school. And so you know, reading is really a key strategy to being able to engage in classes as you continue through school in higher grades. Uh, and, and some Simpson Street Free Press people I spoke with, uh, as well talked about this. And, and I didn't, uh, include her in the story, but one student there who, uh, spoke with me and actually wrote her own piece for Simpson Street Free Press on the science of reading recently. Uh, talked about how she sees classmates in her high school who are disengaged. And she does believe that it's partly because they weren't taught to read early on. And so they don't feel that they can as meaningfully engage with the content that's being presented to them. Um, so she certainly says she sees that disengagement, sleeping in class, things like that, that she feels like uh, is a result of students not having been taught to read earlier in their academic careers. Superintendent Jenkins has made very clear, you know, even before he was hired, that one of his priorities would be improving reading levels for the district students, including reducing the racial disparities. Does he think this focus on the signs of reading is the way to do that? He thinks it's a, a major factor in that. Uh, he thinks that, you know, there's there's a couple other things this uh, on Monday, a task force was announced with the UW School of Education. Uh, that will explore uh, some of the best strategies for teaching reading. And I think that is also a key. He, he believes partnerships with the UW can can be very important for the district, uh, both in how UW prepares teachers that might come to work here, but then also just leaning on the researchers there and the professors there uh, with a lot of expertise. So, so he does believe the science of reading is a, a way to reduce those racial disparities along with partnering with existing organizations here, other entities here. Uh, but he has spoken about uh, he used to be a huge balanced literacy guy uh, and he was a big fan of it. But he's really shifted his thought in recent years and now uh, strongly believes that this is the right direction for the district to go. When you were last on the Madsplainers, you were explaining the two schools referenda that were facing Madison voters on the November ballot and that one of them would fund changes to the school's literacy curriculum. We now know, of course, that both of those referenda were approved. What does that mean for the way Madison children learn to read in the coming years? Yeah, so the operating referendum specifically uh, is pretty relevant to this. Uh, it added $6 million to this year's operating budget. And a part of that six million will go toward adopting new literacy curriculum, uh, helping plan trainings for teachers and uh, getting new literacy materials. So without the referendum, uh, that would have been split over two years. So it would have delayed implementation a little bit. But now the district will be able to move forward with purchasing a new curriculum and some new materials. And much of that will be based on uh, the pilot programs that I mentioned earlier happening at Albion and Gompers. This seems like a big change for teachers who may have been teaching reading in a different way for decades. How will teachers learn these new methods? So that's a great question. And uh, it's something I asked Dr. Jenkins at the press conference on the task force announcement this week. And he said, uh, you know, the district has to show 
in its budget that it is committed to this and that it's committed to helping teachers make this work. And so he said, you know, they need to fund and find the time for teachers to take professional development related to this change. Uh, a lot of times teachers have a lot of professional development. There's a lot of things that schools are trying to change, uh, restorative justice, behavioral programs, uh, teaching reading is is just another thing to the list. And so uh, it's going to be key to see uh, how much time the district is willing to devote to professional development on this subject. But given uh, Dr. Jenkins's uh, really strong words about it to this point, uh, that seems to be a commitment they're willing to make. So what was surprising to you as you were reporting this story? One of the things that stuck out to me is I asked almost every person I talked with why they thought now was different, you know, why they thought now would actually be the time for change. And there's just a lot of belief in uh, Carlton Jenkins. And and not that that's surprising. Someone new who was hired here is, is going to get, uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt from the community. But it was more than the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there, there was really strong belief because of the way he's spoken about this and some of his early actions in his ability to implement a change in this area and get people on board. Uh, I think uh, it was Lisa Hepburn who said to me, a change like this is going to require top-down and bottom-up leadership. And she really felt that the energy from the top, uh, from Dr. Jenkins, was going to match up well with uh, energy at the teacher level um, as there is sort of a, a movement growing toward the science of reading. And so I was I was just, uh, you know, everyone I spoke with had really strong, positive thoughts about Dr. Jenkins and his early work here, uh, specifically on this initiative. And so uh, that was just interesting to hear. Why was this story important to you? You know, what were you seeking to do with your reporting here? Uh, you know, I think uh, the reading scores in the district have long had these issues. Um, there was a, a law review article earlier this year uh, that sort of highlighted the illiteracy to uh, prison pipeline and focused on Madison. And I, I just think students reading is such a fundamental thing, both for academics and then, you know, in life and in, in finding joy in reading um, and and the ability to access different texts and different levels of uh, books is, is just something that I think students deserve and, and should have. And so uh, it was important to me to just highlight the movement from the district. Uh, and, and there's been past work really well done on this subject. You know, we've, we've talked about Simpson Street Free Press. They've been talking about this for a while. Their students have been writing about it. Uh, Jenny Peak at Isthmus had a, a good story last year uh, as the district uh, was sort of planning out what changes it was going to make. It was still in a pretty planning phase at that point. And so I just think it's it's such an important issue to continue to follow. And so uh, I thought now was the time as uh, Dr. Jenkins has been making it such a, a key platform of his early on. Definitely. And what are you watching for next when it comes to this story? Yeah, so we mentioned it earlier, but what sort of dedication to professional development there is and what the materials they adopt are and what the curriculum they adopt is. And and so sort of, you know, there there's a rhetorical change right now. Uh, there is a task force in place. There seems to be a lot of passion behind this. But uh, coming up soon, we're going to start seeing some of the uh, real details on this coming out. And I think making sure 
that the district uh, puts the resources forward where it has said it will, uh, will be really interesting to follow. So uh, I'll be following that, seeing how teachers are reacting and, and, you know, one of the tough parts will be it, it might take some time for this to, to make a difference in, in scores or in other measures. And so talking to students and parents about their reactions to it and how they're feeling about uh, what they're learning. And uh, it, it'll just be an interesting next couple of years. Absolutely. Scott, thank you as always for being on the Madsplainers. Thank you so much. I, I always really feel lucky to get to talk more about my stories because I'm uh, I like nerding out about them. So. We like it, too. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Cap Times K-12 education reporter Scott Gerard, who follows all the important developments in how local kids learn. As we mentioned, this is our last show, at least for the time being. Speaking on behalf of all the Madsplainers hosts, past and present, we've loved making this show for you. Uh, shout out to Eric and Lisa here. Uh, longtime listeners will remember these former co-hosts, and I know that they both loved making the show as well. Uh, we brought you, you know, live audio from a Taco Bell that serves alcohol. We aired some lovely sounds of chicken squawking when we were talking about uh, zoning and urban agriculture. Uh, we also interviewed all the candidates for mayor uh, in the 2019 election. We even held a live podcasting show after Mayor Satya Rhodes Conway was elected, and uh, she graced us by singing a few lines of Alicia Keys's This Girl Is On Fire, which was a fun little twist to the whole event. That song played during um, her election night party. So we've had fun and learned a lot, and we hope you did too. And I, as the latest addition to the Madsplainers team, have had a wonderful time speaking to all of my colleagues about their cover stories and working with Abby to dig deep on some of the key local issues. We never know what the future may bring. Perhaps we'll be back. But for now, if you've got a question about a local issue, that is still what we love. We just might have to answer it in a written story or an email or a social media post instead of a podcast. You can always reach us by email. Abby's at abecker at madison.com. And me, I'm at nyar, that's N-Y-A-H-R at madison.com. We would love to hear from you. Until we meet again, stay safe and let's look forward to a better 2021. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.